I'm nothing against the song. I actually like the song. It's kosher all day long. You know the Uncle Meishi song? However, one Shabbos, years ago, you may have never heard of this. Maybe you know people who know people who have seen or heard of a VCR. So we had an interesting function in our VCR. I know exactly how it worked. But the video was put on right before Shabbos. And we heard kosher all day long. All day long. And... That's not a song that we sing anymore. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not anymore. So sometimes you have something you like, but happens too often, too often, you don't, you don't want it anymore. But there are other things that you need to have, you need to have consistently. There was in this, um, visiting this company, and they had a microwave. Well, Shandav says, you should learn everything you see, everything you hear. So in the microwave it said, they have non-Jewish workers who put in their food, and they also have a Jewish worker. It says, it says on the, on the uh, sign in the microwave, do not use kosher food only. So in a similar way, I think we should have something like that on our, on our, on our minds, on our brain. When you think about something, you think about it a long time, you end up cooking in it, you end up feeling that way, you end up thinking that way, you end up acting that way. So you have to make sure you, when you put in something into your, into your mind, you start thinking about something, make sure you put something in that's kosher, because you end up cooking and that thing that you decide to delve your mind into. I'm mentioning this in context of something which, I, which is a very critical need of every person. There was a guy named Abraham Maslow who did a study about um, security, you know, people, what pe- people need to feel safe, what workers need, and when they're working for someone, what do they need to feel comfortable? And of course, there was critical need, you need to have shelter, you need to have food, you have to have drinks, but the next need up there after food and drink and shelter, what's the next one after that? You need to feel safe. And people are working their whole life, and they're trying to get to a point where they know I'm safe, I don't have to worry what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day. People are working really hard, and they want to get to that point where it's safe. But the truth is that that point that they're looking for isn't achievable. There's nothing that they could that will happen that they can be sure of. This thing is the point that's called safe. In fact, I think this is why they call the bank chase. <laughs> it's all—it's always chasing. You're always, always chasing. You're, you're going, your objective is you, you think, oh, I'm going to reach this point. No, it's it's, it's it's a chase. You're not going to ever be at a point where it's like okay, it's 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 a constant. Sheikh comes, but other than Gullahs and exile, there is something. However that we don't have to look on the outside, look on the inside, to feel safe. And the, we're going to learn about this today from the context of this week's Torah portion. The, um, the Torah portion this week begins with Hashem's talking to Moshe Rabbeinu and telling Moshe Rabbeinu how, after Moshe was upset about the, uh, the situation in Egypt getting much worse after Moshe came, the, the, the work intensified and after he announced that redemption is going to come then the Pharaoh took away the straw and they had to put the same amount of bricks and they were hurting them and it was, it, was, it was terrible so after this whole thing Hashem tells Moshe to tell the Jewish people I am Hashem but the way and Hashem says I appear to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and I use a different name and now I'm going to appear to the Jewish people with the name Yud Kei you should tell them that I'm going to remember my covenant, I'm going to bring them to Israel, and it's all going to happen. So, 
what is Hashem trying to say when He says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with one name, now I appeared with a different name? What did that have to do with His promise and their suffering? So, so the Rashi says, there is my attribute of truth. God's names denote different characteristics of what Hashem is doing, different behaviors. We have the name of Hashem, which means justice. We have the name of Hashem, which means mercy. As the Talmud says, that God says, according to my deeds is my name. Each name denotes a different attribute of the way of God's, of the divine behavior, so to speak. So Hashem says, I haven't yet appeared with the name Yudke Vavke, and therefore things haven't happened. Now I'm going to use the name Yudke Vavke, and all of a sudden things are going to be different. Do you understand, what does that mean? Hashem promised with one name, and he switches names, and now he's going to fulfill his promise. What does that mean? If the other name isn't real, this name is Israel, what does that mean? And also, if you look at the opening verse of the Torah this week, the verse itself makes you wonder. It says, Elohim says, Elohim is one of God's names, Elohim says to Moshe, what does he say to Moshe? I am Hashem. It's as if I said to Yehuda, Yehuda, I am, Moshe says to Yehuda, I am Yosef. What are you talking about? Moshe says to Yehuda, I am Yosef. Elohim says to Moshe, I am Elohim. Instead, Elohim says to Moshe, I am Hashem, you give up. Okay. Why is it switch? What's going on over here? So the answer is like this. These two names of Hashem and Elohim denote different kinds of behavior Hashem treats the world. One way Hashem relates to us is in a way of Yudhi Vavke. Yudhi Vavke, just in ourselves. We have times we want to share how we feel, be present, express ourselves, be in touch, and do what we want to do, and being, be close with people. Sometimes we want, we want to be away from everyone. We want, we want to hide. We want to conceal ourselves. So that's our human characteristics. But by Hashem, there are similar behaviors, not for the same reasons, of course, but there is an element of godliness, which is Yudki Vavke, which is revelation where God shows himself. And there is an element of Hashem, of godliness where there is a force, a divine force that Hashem uses to hide himself. So if you notice, in the book of Bereshus, there are four times the Torah talks about getting sad. The Torah says that God got sad when he decided to erase mankind from the world. It says that the brothers of, of uh, Dina got sad when they realized that they would have to, uh, when they heard what happened to Dina. It says that Yosef told his brothers, uh, don't be sad that you sold me into, uh, God said that a woman gives birth with sadness. So what's the, um, what, what's the meaning of, 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 of sadness over here? What, what's the so, so the different, you would think a woman gives birth, there's no sadness. There's happiness, there's excitement, there's pain, but not sadness. So the word sadness over here means a disappointment, um, a change, a radical, sudden, dramatic change. God creates the world, and God all of a sudden changes the course that creation seemed to be on. He created man, now it's a race man. A woman who gives birth, she suddenly knows that she's not going to have control all over her life for the next X amount of years. X marks the spot of forever. Be in control. So, so uh, when when Yosef's when Dina's brothers came back and they heard what happened to Dina, what ha what do we do now? When Yosef meets his brothers and his brothers are discovered, this is the guy we threw into a pit. What do we do now? They're, they hit a they hit a brick wall, 
And one of the hardest things in life is when you hit a brick wall and you don't know how to get out of it. And, you, and, and that it makes you feel unsafe. And this Torah portion gives us the key to know to, how to feel, always feel safe. There's a uh, kibbutz in Israel called Chafetz Chaim. This kibbutz does agriculture. And they, uh, they publicized their, uh, their a, a miraculous event this year. Actually, not that, this, this year, two years ago. And the miraculous that happened seven years before. They, they are keeping the laws of Shemitah. They're not working on their land the year of Shemitah. And they publicized that, that they made, financially, they made twice as much in the year before Shemitah as they make in a regular year. And they feel for they're paying taxes. People don't lie in their tax. You know, they, they, people do all kinds of tricks in their taxes. But no, they purported for their taxes. They made twice as much money. This is the you know the, the government newspaper. This is what they are actually making twice as much. Which year? In the year that Torah promises. If you keep the year of Shemitah, Hashem, we will ask Hashem, what should we do in the seventh year? How are we going to survive without planting and plowing? Hashem says in the Torah year. So they saw the same exact thing happen to them in the sixth year of this cycle, and the sixth year of the previous cycle. So we think that the world runs, and I say we, I don't mean, I don't mean necessarily this is what you think, what I mean is it's, it's natural to think that the world runs in a way of cause and effect. If you work, you make money. If you don't work, you don't make money. And if you uh, take care of your body, you'll be healthy. Don't care about it, you won't be healthy. If you brush your teeth, you'll have nice teeth. If you don't brush your teeth, you want to, that's what you think the world runs in. But the truth is that this is all not true. The world does not run away of cause and effect. The world only runs because Hashem takes care of every detail of creation. Things only happen exactly the way Hashem wants them to happen. Today, it's a crazy story. It happened to me today. Today I was, um, I had to um, renew my registration on my car. And um, I had to renew it six months ago. And if you don't renew it on time, you have to go somewhere. And, uh, huh? I got, not only got a penalty, I ended up, I ended up going to this place on Beverly Drive, which, uh, whatever, and uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm I, you know, sometimes you're in like divine providence mode. You know, sometimes you feel like all the lights are green, you're in Hashem's hands. You feel like you're an ambassador of God for love and kindness and warmth. And you, sometimes you feel like, oh no, I got to register the car, right? So that was my my um, mood at the time. I leave the car, and I'm thinking, okay, just because I'm not in the mood. Is that how I'm educated? I'm going to leave the car down my film? So I turned back, and I parked at a 10 minute parking spot. Oh. So I knew a 10 minute parking spot is enough time to go up the stairs and to pay the fee and to, and to it shouldn't take more than 10 minutes. But, but I said, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm going, I go, I need to get my film. No such thing. You're going, you're, you're, wherever you go, take your film because you don't, you, you know that Hashem has a plan. The plan isn't that I shall renew my, my uh, registration. The plan is Hashem has a plan. Therefore, I will renew my registration. The chicken comes before the egg. So I go up the stairs, and sure enough, there is Yankel. I can say Yankel's, okay? His name is actually Daniel. There is Daniel. And Daniel is from Switzerland. And Daniel uh, hasn't put on film in who knows how long. And Daniel's happy to put on film because he's just sitting there also dealing with the DMV things. So... And I just heard this teaching about to share with you right before I met Daniel. So Daniel, in the language of Facebook, his relationship is, it's complicated, right? There's married, divorced, single, and then there is another status on Facebook called complicated. So he is in the status of complicated. 
So he looks at me and like, you know, how we're just exchanging pleasantries and he's in a, it's, compl- it's complicated thing. So I share with him somewhere just for which I found very inspiring. He had a very Hasidic teaching. Not known to be a Hasidic teacher, but he said a very Hasidic teaching. He said like this. Yosef HaTzadik, Joseph, when he sold him to slavery, the Torah says that he was placed in a wagon, his brother sold him to Arabs, and Arabs at that time, they dealt in this kind of um, substance which had a very foul odor, some kind of gasolineish kind of fragrance. And that's what he usually carried. These Arabs in that region, that was their business. And Yosef, when he was in the caravan, miraculously, their caravan, of all things, carried perfume. So the question is, okay, that's nice, it's a big miracle, they carried perfume, but what's the big deal? If you're on the wagon to slavery, does it matter if it's perfume? Does it matter if it's licorice? Does it matter if it's marshmallows? Does it matter if it's ice cream? You're going to slavery. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Who cares if it's... Who cares? What's the difference? It is Hashem was telling Yosef, you have to know something, Yosef. Hashem was telling giving a message. And giving each of us a message with a story. Hashem was telling Yosef a message. A message was, you're not going by yourself, Yosef. I'm taking you. And I'm guiding you. And this is for a purpose. And I'm giving you a sign that I'm with you. It wasn't the perfume. It was Hashem giving him a sign, I am with you. That was the point. I share this with this gentleman, Daniel. And Daniel is, see, like he's peeling a layer. Like something otherly about his reaction to this teaching, which is a beautiful teaching, but he's getting this more than... You know what I do, Rabbi? I travel internationally... I'm in the perfume business. <laughs> I make this up. This, this, was, this was exactly what he needed to hear, and exactly Hashem made me hear that teaching right before I parked, and, uh, and he had to hear this, and this was the, and, and so it was a whole different thing. Like, it's not like he's studying Torah every day. This is the one teaching of Torah that he learned in, you know, in years. And this is a teaching of Torah that he needed to hear for his life. You know, it was something he's never going to forget, and neither am I, I hope. And was, this is the meaning of the, of the Torah's um, introduction to this week's Torah portion where Hashem announces, Elohim announces, I am Hashem. What's the Torah saying over here? The two names of Hashem and Elohim, again, Hashem is the way Hashem, Yuki Vavki is the revelation, how Hashem shows, does miracles, Hashem shows himself, and Elohim is the way Hashem hides himself. I am kind of a... Huh? Sadness. Oh. So I was saying before that, 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 that the word sadness means, means like a, a frustration. You don't, you don't know what's going on. In Hebrew, the word, there's the word called yeah, Yitzh. Oh, it means it's a sudden change. What it means it's a sudden change? He made man, and now he's erasing man. It's a change from his, from, not a change from his plan, Chassashol, but it's a change from, the way, from what he created. Now he has to destroy it. He made it, now he has to destroy it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big shift. And that's the... There's only one thing you could speak. You could. There's only one key to security. The one key to security is. It says in the Torah that Abraham had a servant named Eliezer. Eliezer has his name means God helps me. His name is numerically equivalent to three hundred. Three eighteen is Eliezer. God will help me is three eighteen. There's another word which is three seventeen. Three seventeen is. Yehush. Yehush means to give up hope completely. Anything you say that's going to help you in life, no matter what it is, unless you're saying Hashem will help me, 
it leads always to Yehosh. It's a dead end. There is no, because consequences and um, actions and consequences aren't connected. They seem connected to our eyes, but they're not really. The only one, what's really going on is only Hashem's hands making things happen. We think it's us and we did something and and that and that is this is what was the message Hashem was telling Moshe in Moshe's mission to redeem the Jewish people from Egypt. There were two parts of the redemption. One part of the redemption was take the Jews out of Egypt. The other part of the redemption was to take Egypt out of its idolatry. What was the idolatry of the Egyptians? What did they worship? They worshipped the Nile River. Why did they worship the Nile River? Well, the Nile River rose and it irrigated all the tributaries and all the, the different fields and, and throughout the whole land of Egypt. So everyone felt very secure. They know in August or whatever it is, the Nile River will rise and we'll have, well, in other countries like in Israel, you are looking at the sky, waiting for God to send the rain because otherwise you will not have food. You need God to help you. But in, in Egypt you felt it's the Nile River. More, not only did the Nile River um, become the source of, of um, agriculture, but the, the, the whole story of the Torah about Egypt is all about the river. First, the Torah says they threw the Jewish boys in the river. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, he was saved in the river. And it, it, what's this obsession with the river? The, the, the idea of the river is what we say every year on Yom Kippur. What do we say on Yom Kippur? In Yom Kippur, at the very conclusion of Yom Kippur, the highlight, the highest point of Yom Kippur, we say Shema Yisrael. I say Baruch and we say, Hashem Hu HaElikim. What's the meaning of Hashem Hu HaElikim? What are we really saying? There is a Likim. There's a way Hashem hides Himself. And there is Yuki Vavke, way Hashem reveals Himself. What we're saying is, that there aren't really two different things. That although to our eyes, it looks like this is a concealment, and this is a revelation, this is a hiding, this is showing, even when Hashem hides Himself, He's only hiding Himself to our eyes, but really, there is a, a re- revelation of Hashem's infinite light, even in nature, even in the physical world. So, we say this seven times, Hashem Hulakim, Hashem we, we want to inculcate in ourselves that this is a reality. In the highest point of the year, Yom Kippur, we say, nature is not nature. Nature is a miracle. And we say it again and again, nature is a miracle. And that is what Hashem begins this Torah portion. Elohim says, I am Hashem. What do those words mean? If you look at the beginning of Bereshis, Beginning of Bereshis, it begins with the name Elohim, over and over again. 32 times says the word Elohim. Because when Hashem created the world, what is He doing? He's hiding Himself to create the world. He's hiding His presence and creating a physical reality. Then when Hashem talks to Adam for the first time, all of a sudden it switches. Hashem Elohim spoke. Hashem is communicating openly and saying, you have purpose in life, and I'll tell you what your purpose is. And Hashem is talking to him. So it uses the word Hashem Elohim because there's a little bit of revelation. In the beginning of Shemos, a similar thing. The Torah begins with us being in the slavery. It's the very big Elohim moment. We're feeling totally in the dark. We're like, why in the world is this happening to us? What's going on? Is anyone even listening to our prayers? We're in such suffering that we can't imagine that someone even listening. And the whole beginning of Shemos says again and again the name Elohim. But then, when Moshe sees Hashem at the burning bush, what does the Torah say over there? It says over there the name Yudke Vavke. And then the Yudke Vavke is used again and again. Why? Because Yudke Vavke is the name of revelation. Hashem shows himself. But in the beginning, the sixth Torah portion, Hashem tells Moshe, Kim tells Moshe, I want you to know that the 
the Nile River, which is the idol of the Egyptians, which looks like it's natural, looks like it's a, this is the cause of everyone's security, is not real. All the Nile River really is, is a godly force. Nothing other than a godly force. Nature is beyond nature. There is, no, there is a God in the world. There's no, there's no, there's no other force. There was a, a uh, father, who, um, very wealthy father, and he m- made it big by working with his own hands. And uh, he wanted his son to follow in his footsteps and to take over the family business. As every, you know, every successful person wants his children to take over the business. And his son wasn't interested. His father was an entrepreneur, and he and he worked hard, and he 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 sweated. But his son was a, the, the the son of a rich a rich dad, <laughs> so he doesn't want to work. So his dad's trying to get him to work. He does nothing's nothing nothing nothing's working. So finally, this dad yells at his son, "You got to get out of bed. You got to start working." He has a he has a credit card. He has his car. You know, what's, what's, why should it work? His father yells at him. When he screams, he, I'm, "I'm leaving, Dad! I'm just going to leave." He leaves, goes to a park, sleeps on the park bench in the cold and the rain for two weeks. One day, someone comes over to him and says, "Hey, why sleep on the park bench? You know, I have a basement. You can sleep in my basement. I'll, you know, I'll take care of you. You don't sleep in the park bench." Says, really? Yeah. You know, so clean up a little bit in the in the courtyard and and you can sleep in my bench. No problem. All right, great idea. And then he's looking for a job. He goes in, and he, he he knew a little bit about the kitchen because he watched his mother bake and cook. And he goes into this bakery and asks for a job. And he works, he works, you know, he's, he's mopping the floor. And some guy walks over to him and says, "Hey, you know, you look like you you don't. I see you walking around the way the way you walk. I I think that you have what it takes to be to go on your own. What would you say if I went did a partnership with you and I opened a bakery with you? Really? Yeah, with you." So he invests in him, he buys it, he, he gets a bakery, and after a year, the guy has six bakeries throughout the whole city, and one day he says, you know, I'm going to, he makes a calculation of how much money he made that year, he realizes he made, over the course of a year, he made, he made a million dollars, wow, he writes a letter to dad, dear dad, let's make my first million, thanks for, uh, thanks for everything, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but to show dad, you know, I, I know I can do stuff too, not just you. His dad writes back a letter. My dear son, I wasn't sure how to respond to your letter. I wasn't sure. However, for the sake of education, I'm going to tell you the way things really are. My dear son, why do you think this guy walked over to you and asked you, why don't you sleep in my house? Where do you think that came from? A random guy wants to bring this homeless person to his house? I'll tell you why. I arranged it. Why didn't this guy... Offered you to buy you a bakery <laughs> to invest in you. Why didn't you have now six bakeries? I made a calculation, my son, too. I invested in your success about a million dollars so far. Wow. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a parable. It's not a, I, don't, I don't know if it's a true story. I don't think it is. But the point of the story is, is that nature is not a re- reality. We think that there's you know, some other force, some other thing going on. And the Torah tells us uh, we have to inculcate in ourselves the absolute conviction that what looks like is really natural is Hashem, and that, that's the real security. The real security is knowing that you're like a baby in, in your mother's hands and you have nothing to worry about. There's a big difference between going to a, a jungle and going to an amusement park. Yes, in an amusement park there's all kinds of radical changes going up and going down, all kinds of stuff happens, but you know it's all part of the plan. There's something running the story. 
So too, but on the other hand, when you go into a jungle, you, you feel like, what's going to happen to me? This world is not a jungle. We aren't like, you know, pieces of sand that are blowing in the wind. We're being guided by Hashem's hand, and uh, we, have to, we have to bring ourselves to that sense of security. It's not, it's not something we're going to get outside of ourselves, but it makes us feel safe. It's that, it's that reliance of Avke. Yeyosh the frustration. The only thing that you know for sure, you can always rely on, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's true, is that Hashem is running your life. And that's the message that we're this this week, that we, that we have to bring ourselves to feel the MS, the truth, that we're not alone, God's holding our hand. And this is, this is what Mashiach is about. Mashiach is about the world being manifest, being revealed in the world, how this is Hashem's world. We will see in everything how everything is guided by Hashem's hands. And we have to practice this today before Mashiach comes to get into the, to, to prepare for the coming of Mashiach. To look at divine providence in our lives, like uh, this Daniel over here, and his perfume, and Yosef's perfume, and my, this is this is our lives. This is, this is the way Hashem runs the world. So we have to have this message all the time. Can't sing kosher all day long, all day long. But we should think, sing all day long. Ma'ida'ani, ma'ida'ani lepanacha. Hashem is with us. You can't you don't get tired of that. It gives you security and it gives you a blessing and opens the door of Hashem's blessings too for abundance and all good. Lachayim, lachayim. Kedusha mentions all with her bracha, bar chavan, al yonim, megashos, ruchnius, and we should see Mashiach tonight. Take me on, man. Lachayim, lachayim, lachayim.